JM in the AM. Tuesday morning broadcast at 12 minutes after 8 o'clock. Well, many of you are aware of the fact that uh, our friends at Nefesh Benefesh uh, each year uh, bestow the uh, Sylvan Adams Nefesh Benefesh Bonate Sion Prize to English-speaking Olim who have greatly contributed to the state of Israel. Seven outstanding Olim from English-speaking countries have been awarded this year's award, the Bonate Sion Prize recognizing Anglos who've made a major contribution to the state of Israel. To see the whole list and to explore the entire story, go to bonetzion, bonetzion.org.il, bonetzion.org.il. In the area of culture, art, and sports, it is the legendary coach David Blatt, known as one of the most successful American-Israeli coaches in European basketball history. Before he started his coaching career, he played Point guard at Princeton, played in the Maccabia Games for the U.S., won the 1981 gold medal, by the way. Played professional basketball in Israel for nine years before starting his full-time coaching career. Won the Italian Championship in 2006, coached the Russian national team for seven years, and won the Eurobasket Championship in 07, plus Olympic bronze in London in 2012. In 2014, he led Maccabi Tel Aviv to one of the greatest comebacks against Cheska Moscow in the EuroLeague semifinal game, proceeding to win the championship after, championship after defeating Real Madrid in overtime. David Blatt has been the Israeli Super League Coach of the Year four times. During his time as a Maccabi's coach, he helped the team achieve new heights and recognition in Israel and worldwide. After Maccabi, he coached the Cleveland Cavaliers to the NBA Finals, and I will note, of course, that he was also a coach of the Cavaliers during the championship year when they won the NBA Finals. And he went on to coach uh, in Greece and in Turkey where his team won an historic Euro Cup championship. He made Aliyah in 1981 from Boston, Massachusetts. Coach David Blatt, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning. It's a pleasure. How are you? Appreciate it very much. A pleasure to speak with you. Um you went to uh, you went to Maccabea Games um, uh, uh, straight out of college, but before that, you had been uh, based on what I read on some kibbutz team. It sounds like in the middle of college, would you have gone to the Maccabea and returned to Israel if not for that kibbutz experience? Well, you know, I, I spent a summer on kibbutz Gan Shmuel in 1979 after being invited by another uh, Israeli American coach uh, by the name of Bob Gunen, who was who made Aliyah in his time and has lived in Israel ever since. And I spent just a wonderful uh, summer volunteering and playing with the Ganshmuel team, uh, not in the official league season, but uh, in their summer activities. And I fell in love with uh, Israel. You know, I have, of course, I'd had familiarity and and connection uh, um, kind of in a surface, from a surface standpoint, through my own uh, Jewish upbringing, but uh, discovering the country, the people, and and the the importance and the value of being a part of that society really, really touched me. Even at that time, and coming to the Maccabee Games in '81 sort of solidified my uh, desire to uh, experience life in Israel as a citizen. And uh, upon coming in, in 81 and beginning my basketball career, I also found Zionism <laughs> and, and recognized and realized the importance of uh, 
of Israel to the Jewish people and of my role as a part of that. Um the uh, the the experience of uh, the Maccabeah games led to your aliyah. I, did you make aliyah officially right after that? In 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 uh... I, I did in uh, in eighty one. And and uh, you act- honestly, I had planned it coming in to the Maccabeah games, but that sort of solidified my uh, desire to do it. And you actually did serve in the IDF in what section of the Israeli army? You know, I served on uh, a base in uh, Jerusalem called Sneller. I was uh, part of the chain of uh, the Israeli military. I actually, because I was a professional player at that time as well, I had uh, a job, Sapak Mazon Midbach. I was helping with the supplies right. for the base from, uh, from a food uh, standpoint. And uh, you know, gave my gave my service uh, with honor and with uh, not with distinction, perhaps, but <laughs> certainly with a great deal of pride. And and uh, that's you know that's been part of my Israeli life as well. Well, now with COVID, we're all reading about how important supply chain is, especially in the area of uh, of food. Uh, Coach David Blatt is with us as uh, we discuss the Bonate Sion Award to congratulate him on the Nefesh Benefesh recognition. Uh, that he is uh, receiving. Um, were you part of that Princeton team that went to the NCAA's, the BYU game? Uh, well, I, I did play against BYU um, in my senior year. Right, that was the year that they uh, went. That was the only time in your college career they actually went to the tournament, right? Uh, we went to the tournament. That was the year that my teams went to the tournament, yes. But, of course, Princeton has had, has had a long history of great success in college basketball and, and brought many uh, elements and philosophies that have been used ever since in terms of how to play the game properly. And, uh, you know, it was great to be a part of that program. We had to have, of course, the academic experience of going to school there. Yeah, well, we always uh, knew that our U.S. Senator from New Jersey, Bill Bradley, had gone to Princeton. And, and Pete Carrill's name, of course, always comes up when it comes to the uh, to the great coaches in college basketball history. Th- does his system and his technique still exist in pro ball? Is that something that coaches like yourself still study at this point? Well, you know, Coach Carrill, who was a Hall of Fame coach and, and deservedly so, really implemented a, a system or a way of playing the game that has been uh, – let's say both admired and copied to a certain extent, if, if nothing more than a lot of the principles that he put into the, you know, the, the Princeton offense, uh, I don't know that it's being played purely or in the same way that we were playing it back then. But, you know, you can look at almost any game and see elements of the Princeton offense that are being used that, uh, certainly has served coaches uh, throughout America and throughout the world very well. At what point in your career, as you started your your coaching career, did other European teams or other teams that play on that side of the world start to notice and realize that, that you, a, a coach essentially in Israel, has the capability of leading any team at that point? Well, you know, I, I coached in six different countries and tried to – bring with me the knowledge that I had gained from both from playing with uh, 
great players in the professional ranks, playing for great coaches and working uh, with many, many different coaches uh, from around the world. Uh, but, you know, the, the important thing is not only did I bring my basketball to the different cultures and the different countries, but I, I brought my way uh, of Israel, too, of trying to find solutions of dealing with adversity from sharing uh, knowledge and, and, and culture and, and, and trying to be a positive influence on everyone around me, regardless of uh, from where they came or from where I came. Uh, and certainly my experience as, a, as an Israeli and an Israeli citizen, as well as my background coming from America, served me well. Uh, in in terms of being able to communicate uh, my ideas, and in terms of and in, and in my willingness to open up and 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 share uh, with people from from all over, but never losing sight of my Jewish roots or or the importance of from where from whence I came from where I came. I understand that, but you're 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 playing or coaching uh, rather in in cities and countries where I would assume. Many, many of the people you're meeting had never met a Jew. Certainly, had never met a Jew as as Israeli and as Zionistic as as you are. Uh, and there, there had to have been—I don't want to use the word negative—but there had to have been uh, interesting and challenging reactions and situations uh, that came up because of that background. Am I right? Am I giving too little credit to the people that you were associated with? Well. No, I mean, for any Jew in the world, you know, there is indeed, if, if, if at the minimum, underneath the surface, a, a certain element of uh, anti or, or, you know, to a greater extent, even, uh, you know, an active type of uh, um, denial or, or denigration of uh, who we are and where we're from. You know, and that was one of the things that I always tried to do was to uh, work past that and show people the the real value and the real worth of uh, of our people, uh, and uh, to focus on on making connections and on opening doors, and not on the opposite. You know, I, n- I never let that get in the way, and, and fortunately, uh, I think when when people understood. Um, my willingness and my openness uh, that helped them to feel more comfortable and, and to to respond uh, in, in in kind. Right, I get that. But when you're going to Turkey and Italy and Russia, I, I would assume they're members of the media, and in some cases, many fans who are wondering why the team has to go in the Israeli direction to bring leadership to their local team. Can't I assume that? That there, that you know, that was that was always in the background at the beginning of your hiring by one of these countries and teams. Well, again, it, not always, but it, it did it did rear its uh, head at times. What was the worst uh, experience? What was the most challenging experience? In what city in the world? You know, challenges are opportunities. So, you know, it, going into going into Russia as an uh, an American. Israeli Jewish basketball coach was, you know, it was challenging. Right. Uh, certainly for a country that for so many years had been 
uh, not Russia, but Soviet Union, uh, and those times and all that brought with them, um, you know, that was that was an experience. That was a that was a challenge and an opportunity to uh, to bring out the best in in people, including myself. How does a great coach in Europe and Israel get noticed by the NBA? Well, let's not forget that, you know, I was born and raised in the United States. You know, and I left the States at uh, 22 years old to go to, 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 to go to Israel to start my professional career uh, because of the fact that in most of the teams that I worked in, I was responsible for helping to build the team. So I had great interaction uh, with scouts, agents, with NBA personnel, with NBA managers, uh, in order to help me to find uh, the right type of players for my team, as well as to share information with those teams in terms of their desire to learn the European way of uh, basketball or to find talent from uh, the other side of the Atlantic. Uh, so that symbiotic relationship uh, sort of really developed my uh, my recognition with uh, with the people in the, the NBA. And of course, when your teams are very successful and are being scouted or being followed by people on this side of the the Atlantic, then you know you're, you're bound to make good contacts and, and hopefully a good impression. And that's more or less what happened with me. You know, we um, Cleveland's a great Jewish community. I'm sure you know that. Uh, and I, I always remember how our friend Ron Bloomberg, who was a Yankee for many years, you know, told us about all the bar mitzvah invitations that he used to get. Uh, was there added pressure on you uh, by our brethren, our brothers and sisters in Cleveland, to be more involved in the community because of your background? Added pressure, no. They were very welcoming and, and very warm. And I actually have friends in Cleveland that I knew and had met through my experiences in Israel. You know, one guy, Mark Sack, comes to mind. He's a good friend of mine to this day, who's a very uh, uh, well-known member of the Jewish community in in, uh, in the Cleveland, in Cleveland. You know, this is a guy that I met back in 81 in Israel. Uh, so, you know, being a part of that society was, was, was really easy and no added pressure, just support. You know, one of the things that us basketball fans are doing now is we're watching the documentary about the Chicago Bulls, and it, it is so clear that the role of a head coach in the NBA is so much is so much dependent on their ability to manage, you know, ty really strong Type A personalities and people who are great at what they do. Um, would you, if someone called you today and said, "I'm becoming an NBA coach. I need a piece of advice," would that be the first area of focus that you would speak to them about? You know, I do a lot of speaking uh, in a number of different fields, whether it be you know basketball oriented, or whether it be leadership, or uh, uh, dealing with uh, adversity, or or uh, planning and team building. And you know, I I can tell you, coaching is is in my mind made up of five different principles. And and you know, the first is of course, uh, and then what I would advise to any any perspective coach and anywhere and any place in the world is, you know, you got to know the material uh, just like anything else. You got to study, you got to learn, you got to pay attention. 
you got to share ideas and, and be open to, to new schools of thought and, and to gaining knowledge. You know, the, the second thing is you have to decide what type of coach you're going to be. Are you going to be a system coach? In other words, use the same system no matter where you are, or are you going to be a personnel coach? Recognize the uh, roster that you have or the players you have and then build around them. you got to be a teacher uh, and, and know how to uh, help your players advance both in terms of their skills and in terms of their basketball IQ, um, you know, and you have maybe more than anything, you have to be a human being. You know, you have to know how to talk to people and communicate with people and to recognize that people are 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 different and and find the ways to reach them uh, and talk to them in a manner that that they can and want to uh, listen and learn. You know, and finally, you have to be uh, someone that promotes and grows culture. You know, have a have a have a way of doing things, and be the kind of example that makes those around you want to follow, and become the best version of themselves. You know, you're being recognized by Nefesh Benefesh, and I'm wondering how your Aliyah went. Many people, especially in the era. Uh, during which you moved to Israel, un- unfor- mm-hmm. unfortunately, had very difficult, uh, very difficult travel. <clears throat> excuse me, or, or procedural matters and adjustments to the Holy Land. It's one of the reasons Nefesh Nefesh was founded, and they're so successful. What was your Aliyah like? Well, you know, I was uh, very mivulach. Uh, I was blessed. You know, I, I I came in as a professional athlete. And I had a very strong support system from the management of the team at that time, Maccabi Haifa, who really helped me go through a lot of the administrative uh, challenges that you have. Uh, Being uh, a part of a team and having a very clear and structured environment was uh, was, uh, helpful to me. you know, when you when you're when you're a pro athlete, you know the recognition and 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 perhaps the the almost the the favored status that you have. It certainly makes it a lot easier. You know, when I think about my aliyah, uh, I know I had it a lot easier than than many. Uh, certainly from a from a technical, administrative, and and uh, even financial standpoint, um, but. As a, an American coming to Israel and going through the different life and, and different culture that you know living in Israel presented at that time, um, you know that was that was certainly uh, challenging and, and required uh, me to to have an open mind and more importantly an open heart and to embrace the country and and, and its ways. Um, but honestly, because I fell in love with uh, with Israel so quickly and so early, and and really pushed myself to learn the language and to become a part uh, of the country in, in every respect, including military service. You know, I feel that my Aliyah was uh, was best case, and I, right. I feel very lucky and fortunate to have gone through that. I know there are those that have tough times, but at the end of the day, I think. You know, people realize and recognize what a wonderful uh, country it is to live in and how important it is 
for Jewish people from all over the world, world to come and, if they can, to make it their homeland and, and continue to support and grow the state of Israel. Well, we certainly agree with you on that. It's one of the reasons we're such proud partners with Nefesh Benefesh on everything that they do, and uh, it's heartwarming to see how many people even now in this situation still committed to get to Israel and make it their permanent home as soon as possible. Did you have to learn Turkish, Greek, or Russian when you got those jobs? That wasn't necessary. Well, I mean, that, that was an important element for me in terms of being able to feel a part of the society and the culture, and also for people perhaps to receive me in a little bit of a different way. You know, honestly, uh, those languages, particularly Italian and Russian and Turkish, I, I really don't speak very much. But, uh, you know, I like to tell people that because of my travels and because of my uh, habitation in, in, in so many different co- countries, I, I speak four languages badly. That's sort of my my state of affairs, but I do know enough to to get by and to give others the feeling that I indeed am embracing their culture and am respectful uh, of living in their country and very much desiring of being a part of it. Did they make you uh, do press conferences in Russian, or they didn't subject you to that? Well, you know, what I'd like to do, was to throw a sentence here and there in Russian uh-huh. uh, for the for the purposes of uh, surprising them or or even putting a smile on their face. Uh, but no, generally I did my press conferences both in Italy and in uh, or, or in Italy and in Turkey and in Greece and in Russia with a translator, uh, but peppered with the local language. Fortunately, in Israel, I could. I could manage very well uh, in Hebrew. You know, Coach, uh, when you got to Cleveland, we made efforts to get you on the air. Unfortunately, those those, those didn't work. Uh, but I'm so glad that we had this opportunity, and I thank Nefesh Menefesh for it. And by the way, one of the reasons I'm so thankful is because I really had an opportunity because of this assignment uh, to study your, your history, which is amazing. I, I never realized how connected you were uh, to Israel and the Jewish world in general. By the way, Coach, I must ask you, and my staff's going to laugh because yeah. they always work their way into a conversation about basketball. Mm-hmm. Are, are, are mm-hmm. you at all, and, and if not, it's fine. I'm just curious. Are you at all aware of how Yeshiva University did this year and how their story became an international story on the basketball court, I mean? This year, no. I mean, in the past, I had followed Yeshiva because I even knew a few guys from there. Wow. But tell me. I'd love to hear the story. Well, this year they did win the Skyline Conference Championship. They went to the Division Three NCAAs. They won the first two rounds. And unfortunately, the next four rounds were all canceled because of the pandemic that we're in right now. Oh, boy. So it's funny, well, yeah. it's funny because that, I, yeah. I said to Coach Elliot Steinmetz, uh, who, by the way, claims that your son is a phenomenal ball player. He coached against him in 20. 20- he's right. Yeah, and, and he's, he's right. right. <laughs> and he's right. I said, I said to the the goal is always to win the last game of the year. So I guess why you could at least be happy with that, right? <laughs> That's very true. Well, Coach Steinmetz probably uh, read Coach Carrill's book. Uh, when the smart take from the strong, and obviously he's uh, managed to do just that with uh, with Yeshiva against his uh, his competition, and I'm happy to hear that, and I'm happy for him and for the university. I appreciate that very much, and I'm sure they I appreciate it as an alum, and I'm sure the team appreciates hearing it from a pro like yourself. Mazal tov to you on the award. And thank you so much for spending this time with us. And uh, thank you for being such an incredible representative of Israel and the Jewish people. Really a pleasure speaking with you. Well, thank, 
thank please allow me to thank Nefesh Benefesh. Yes. And and in giving me the Bonnet Young Prize and what what that organization is doing is a lot more important than uh, than what I've done. But I'm certainly happy to be a part of that family now. So I'm appreciative. Much appreciated, Coach Blatt. Be well and continued success. Thank you so much, Coach David Blatt. He is uh, a, a legendary and historic basketball coach, Israel Europe, and of course with the Cleveland Cavaliers, who won the championship during the year where he started as their coach and the NBA championship. And now he is, re- and you heard what he had to say uh, about how meaningful the uh, Bonet Zion Prize is. He is now one of the Olim immigrants to Israel from English speaking countries who've been awarded the 2020 Sylvan Adams. Nefesh Benefesh Bonet Zion Prize. Go to bonezion.org.il. Bonezion.org.il. More coming up. You are listening to a uh, Tuesday morning broadcast of JM in the AM.